0: Good morning again to everyone. So glad that you're here this morning. I want to just say uh, Happy Mother's Day again, as has already been mentioned several times. Uh, We celebrate our mothers. Uh, A lot of folks uh, are gone today because they have gone to visit their moms. We miss them, but we have a lot of visitors this morning, those who have come to visit your moms. And so we are thankful and grateful for your presence. Uh, I was thinking about my mother. Um, We were going to go down a couple of days ago and uh, take mom out to lunch and just spend a little bit of time with her. But long about Tuesday, I think my sister uh, called and said that um, our mom had come down with COVID. She has um, never had it over these last three years. She has escaped um, the ravages of COVID, but now she has joined the masses uh, and she has it, but she's getting better. I, I was trying to check on her and I didn't want to bother her, but I, so I was kind of going back and forth with my sister Renee. And so um, a couple of nights ago, I, I said, how's, how's mom feeling? Is she any better? And she said, I think she's better. Um, she asked me to make a run to Taco Bell for her. So I thought, either mom is feeling better, or she has lost her mind once and for all. I don't know. But I'm, I'm thinking that she's feeling a little bit better. Um, we put her on a prayer list, and uh, thank you for, uh, for praying for her with me. Uh, at 81 years of age, um, you always kind of worry about things. I don't, I don't think she would mind me telling you that, um, Women kind of go through a, a phase, don't they? They don't want anybody to know how old they are, and then you get to a point where you're just really proud, you know, that you're still here and you're still kicking. So I think that's where my mom is, but mom, if you're watching, I'm sorry about that. Um, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I wish we would just celebrate Godly Women's Day. Uh, I am so grateful and thankful for all the godly women uh, in my life, in church and ladies that helped to to raise me, and I would say helped me to make the man I am. I don't want to put that on them, but uh, I do appreciate all of our godly women. Happy Mother's Day to you this morning. Psychologist William Glasser, you may know that name, he, um, a pioneer in the field of psychology, passed away about 10 years ago at the age of 88, but years ago Uh, In an interview in Psychology Today, Glasser is quoted as saying this. He said, when you go to a therapist, all you are doing is buying a friend. You could get rid of all of us psychologists and psychiatrists, and the world would never miss us. And then he went on to say in his book, Reality Therapy, he said that man has two great needs. One is to love, and secondly, to be loved. All of us have those two great needs: to love and also to be loved. I was thinking about that um, this week as I was preparing about a thought about relationships. Um, Jackson, I appreciate your words this morning. Um, I was sitting there thinking, we did not coordinate this, but it, it works out beautifully how the Spirit was working in his heart and also in mine this week about how we are to be one body, one family, to, to really love each other and to care for, for each other. We need to love, and we need to be loved. I was thinking about back when I was in elementary school. I was in first grade at Taylor Stratton Elementary School in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, when I was in first grade, there was a little girl named Beverly, and she liked she liked me. But I didn't like Beverly. I don't didn't like any girls, I don't think, at that time. Well, we would go out on the, the playground, and oftentimes Beverly would try to chase me down, but she couldn't catch me. Now no one has ever accused me of being fast, but Beverly was really not fast at all. I mean, I was never fast, but I was quick. I had a quick first step. So Beverly, she couldn't catch me. But there was another friend. Her name was Arthea Robinson. She was very fast. She could always catch me. So oftentimes she would catch me, and and then along. Would come Beverly and I would escape her grasp and take off running again. Well, one time, I don't think it was on purpose. At least I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. But one time when Arthea caught me, she tripped me and I tumbled to the ground. And there was Beverly closing the gap. She was getting closer and closer. And before I could get up, she kissed me on the cheek. It was like When Snoopy kissed Lucy, you know, it was like, ah, boil water, germs, cooties, you know. Uh, It was was the worst thing in the world. Secretly, I think I kind of liked it. I'm not sure. But I acted like I didn't like it. Beverly liked me, but I didn't really like Beverly. Now, fast forward two years from, from that time. I'm in third grade. I'm in Mrs. Pearson's class. Sweetest most godly woman you've ever met I'm sitting there and as often would be the case I was through with my work before some of the other kids I'm not saying I was smarter than them I'm just saying I was pretty smart but anyway um I would I was through with my work and oftentimes Miss Pearson would ask me to to help some of the other kids and so I was doing that, and, and everybody was just kind of talking and everything. But there was a little girl that sat in front of me. Her name was Tamara. I won't tell you her last name in case she's watching one, t- one of these times. Tamara had this long, sandy brown hair, and I thought she was so cute. And so I said, I leaned over to my desk, and I said, Tamara. She didn't turn around. So I said it a little bit louder. I said, Tamara. No reaction whatsoever. So then I raised my voice to make sure she could hear me. And almost on cue, it's like everybody got quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And I said, Tamara, I love you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. She almost crawled under her, ta- under her desk, and I could just feel the blood rising, you know. In my- I was so embarrassed, and everybody looks around at me like, you are crazy. I don't think Tamara spoke to me for the rest of the year. You see, I liked Tamara, but she didn't reciprocate that. It's one thing to love, and it's another thing to be loved. But one of man's great desires is for both of those things to come together. We want to love someone, and we want that someone to love us back. You know, God knew knew that we needed each other. His church was intended to help us establish the friendships that we need. That's why I appreciated the lesson this morning before the Lord's Supper. The church needs, we need each other. We don't need to buy a friend. We need to make a friend, and we need to be a friend. Relationships are so very important. We need them. We need them for a balanced life emotionally, spiritually, and socially. We need to love, and we need to be loved. Jesus said love would mark his disciples. Jesus said that that would be the mark of his disciples. John 13, you know this passage very well. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he said, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That would be the hallmark of their love. Now, when he says love one another, he says, a new command I give you. Was that really a new command? To love one another? I mean, hasn't that always been what God desires? Is for man to love him and to, to love each other? I mean, even back in the law, you read back in Leviticus, I think chapter 19, chapter 19, the law says to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus was quoting when, when they came to him and said, Teacher, what is the greatest command? And he said to love, your Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It wasn't really a new command but in, in one sense, but on the other hand, it was new in the sense that these twelve, these disciples, these men that Jesus had called to himself for the purpose of, of sending them out into the world to preach what would be known as the gospel, the death of burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It was so important that they loved each other. It was so important that they had a strong bond that could not be shaken, could not be broken. Because they were going to need that. They were going to need each other. Jesus said, if you don't have love, you're not my disciples. Look with with me at uh, 1 John chapter 4. I want to show you something here. The book of 1 John chapter 4. We're going to fast forward down to uh, verse Verse seven, go through here sometime and just count how many times John uses the word love. I think it's like 27 times in these next few verses he uses the word love. Dear friends, verse seven, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That sounds like a song, doesn't it? It'd be a good song, wouldn't it? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. God knew that we needed each other, and Jesus said Love would mark his disciples. Jesus needed friends. Did you realize that? I think sometimes we, we, we just think of I I think of of Jesus coming down as a man in the flesh, and he was he was so strong, and you know we think about him being impervious to sin, and he walked through this world, and and nothing really bothered him. That's that's not that's not my Jesus anymore. When Jesus took on flesh, he knew what it was like to be tempted in every way, just as we are. But, as the Hebrew writer said, he had no sin. When Jesus took on our flesh, he became like us. He, he needed friends. You think about John chapter 11. Uh, several months ago, we talked about the raising of Lazarus. Jesus took comfort with his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You remember when the sisters sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus needed friends, just like we need friends. Think about the night before he was crucified when he went to the garden. Who did he take with him? Peter, James, and John. Out of the 12 that he called to himself, there were three of those 12 that he seemed to be even closer to than the rest, Peter, James, and John. And he said, I want you to. I want you just to stay with me. I want you just to watch with me while I pray. Jesus needed friends, and we need them as well. We also need friends with whom we can share. We need friends with whom we can share. Turn your Bibles to the book of James. It's a very familiar passage. I want to show you James chapter 5. Look at verse 16. James, the brother of our Lord, he says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We love the last part of that verse. We, we quote that oftentimes. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Or the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Is that the way you memorized it? Oh, we love that. And, and that is so true that when, when the righteous pray, it, it does something. There's something powerful about that prayer. But what he says before is confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I'm just going to confess to you we're not very good at that in the church. Are we? I don't want you to know my sins. You don't want me to know your sins, do you? That's why we don't come down front very often. That's why years go by and no one walks down the aisle to confess sin because we, we don't want anyone to know that. We're, we're, so, we're so individualistic we're so, I'll, I'll pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I, I can overcome this. I don't, I don't need someone to pray with me or for me. I, I can do, and, and oftentimes it's because of guilt or shame. But James is very clear. We need, to, we need to be so closely tied to one another. Now, not everybody. You understand, I'm not going to confess my sin to everybody. But I need a handful I need a couple of men that I'm close to, that are close to me, that I can tell some things to, that I know won't, they won't tell anybody else. You see, we're often afraid to, to confess our sins because we don't know where it's going to go after that, right? <laughs> we, I don't know what you're going to do or who you're going to tell. And so it's, it's easier and it's safer if I keep that to myself. I'll just, I'll just pray to God. But that's not what James says. We need each other. We need to be so close to one another that we can confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. And the result of that will be what? We will be healed. We're not talking physical. We're not talking physical ailments. We're talking spiritual. Something that we're struggling with. A spiritual problem that we can confess. Confess sin to each other and pray for each other. We need a real friend, one who loves us, shares our hurts, and will pray with us. Let me read something to you. This is written by a woman named Marilyn Parker, almost 50 years ago now. It's talking about friendship. She says this. Let me walk with you. Let me hold your hand. Let me listen quietly to the turmoil inside you, which you would not dare to express even if you could find the words. Let me love you when you don't want to be loved. Let me love you gently, truthfully, from any distance that is comfortable to you without asking you to return that love. Let me reach out and touch your being so you will know that it's all right for you to be you. Let me walk with you through the pain, the hurt, the anger, the fear, the loneliness, the darkness, the hopelessness, into the sunlight, into hope, into joy, into laughter and song, Into the beauty of peace. Let me walk with you. Let me hold your hand. Let me be your friend. Don't we all need friends like that? Somebody like that to walk with us? Relationships are vital to our Christian lifestyles, to fellowship to discipleship. Oh, let's go to the book of of Acts, Acts chapter 2. I want to show you a few passages here. All of this is familiar to you, but I want to, I just want to remind you. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 42. The word of the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Look at this. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. Dynamic enthusiasm that this body had. Go to chapter 4. Look at verse 32. As a preacher, it's, it's, hard, to hear, it's hard to hear that. <laughs> you know, today, it's hard to hear that. I, I hear a, a couple of pages turning, and I love that. But it's hard, it's hard to hear that. So, so hold up your Bible if you're doing that when, I, when it comes time. All right, I see a couple of iPads. All right, there's, a, there's a Bible. I love it. Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. These seemed to be folks that were in touch with one another, folks that loved each other deeply, sincerely, from the heart. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. I hear some pages turning. I love it. Verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. These folks were deeply involved with each other. Hard times. They shared what they had. Nobody said that what is mine is mine and what is yours is yours and, you know, deal with it. That's not the way they looked at each other. They pulled their resources. They loved each other deeply from the heart, even in the midst of hard times. Acts chapter 8. Let's just look at one more. Acts chapter 8, going down to verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Everybody, from what it seems there in the book of Acts, the early church, they all seemed to just pull together. You know, many of them had left families. Many of them had been ostracized because they were following this man, Jesus of Nazareth. Oftentimes, they were turned away. Their, their fellow Jews despised them. Uh, those who were Greeks were, that were turning, uh, you know, why would you, follow, why would you follow a man named Jesus, a Jew, so they, they had to love each other. The early church, they were a tight fellowship of people. There was no isolationism uh, within that body. They, they all pulled together. They had to. They had to. And it made me think of the English poet John Donne. Uh, he wrote, no man is an island. Are you familiar with that? No man is an island. Uh, John Donne has been dead for probably over 400 years, so I don't think anybody here uh, knew him personally. But he wrote this: An English poet, a soldier, a politician. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as any manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind. And therefore, never sin to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. When a man died, they would ring the bell. The church bells would ring as they would march to the funeral, to the church. And so he says, when the bell tolls, don't, don't ask, uh, who, who is it that died? Who is it uh, that's having a funeral? Don't ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls, it tolls for you. That's how tight the body of Christ needs to be. If someone is hurting, we all hurt. If someone rejoices, we all should celebrate because that's how close we are. That's how much we love each other. And I think that that love exists here. I really do. I believe with all my heart it does. All right, let's go back to our reading this morning, Ecclesiastes. And we'll finish with this. Oh, Ecclesiastes chapter four, not nine. Chapter four. I love this. This is all about relationships. The word of the Lord says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands... Is not quickly broken. Verse 9, you have mutual effort. Verse 10, you have mutual support. If, if somebody falls down, his friend can help him up. Mutual encouragement in verse 11. Verse 12, mutual strength because you're pulling together. When we share life's experiences, only then do we truly enjoy them and make them enduring. And, you know, we've got to be willing to risk change in order to have stronger relationships. We've got to get out of our comfort zones. We've got to learn to love each other deeply and from the heart. I was thinking back um, last week when we were uh, roofing. Uh, on the Waller's house. I see uh, Karen and Barbara here this morning. Um, What a joy it was to get out there and to work hard, knowing that what we were doing was accomplishing something for our, our sweet sisters, something that they needed to have done. And in the process of working alongside of those other people i felt like i got to know some of those people a little better in a way that i wouldn't have known them had i not been up on that roof i found out that if there is a little side story that that pops up my brother i'm not going to i'm not going to mention his name but his initials are kevin gray if there's a if there's a story to be told he has no problem taking a little break and telling your story. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I, just, wanted to, I just wanted to cut a, a piece that fits right here, but he's got a story to tell, so we, we stop and listen. And the man's a turkey hunter. He'll, he'll pull his phone out on the roof and show you pictures of, of his turkey. I wouldn't have known that about Keevan had I not been up on the roof working with him. Mutual love, mutual, we're, we're working for someone else, but in the process, I'm learning to love these men. I also know that um, Bill Mendenhall, if there is a job to be done, that rascal hooks it up and gets it done. I mean, he, 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 don't, he don't take a break like Keevan. I mean, <laughs> Keevan will take a break and tell a story, Bill is like, work, 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 work. And that's good. We need all kinds. And I'm there to supervise and take pictures, you know. <laughs> making sure everybody's doing what they need to do. I've got to bring something to the table. You know, we have such love for each other here in this place. I really believe that the Northside family loves each other deeply and from the heart. Amen. But there is a world of people outside of these walls literally they're they're crying, they're hopeless they would they need this, they may not even know that they need this, but our world is so full of people that just don't have hope they, I mean without God, and you look at what our world has to offer these days, the struggle that we have between races, between Genders between different uh, ideologies that are are manifesting themselves. They're, people are just they're they're without hope. Where where do I go to find real hope and comfort? I would offer to you this morning that the local church is the hope of the world because we know Jesus not because there's anything special about us, but because we believe in the one who died for us, the one that was buried for us, and the one, praise God, that was resurrected for us. We believe in that, and because of that, we have hope. There's a whole world that needs to enter into this kind of fellowship, and I would not be ashamed for a moment to invite someone into this because I believe with all of my heart that they would be loved and they would be cared for because I believe that's the kind of fellowship that we have. We need each other. Jesus needed people. Jesus needed friends, and we need them. We need to love, and we need to be loved, and that's what our world needs. I want to continue to encourage you to pray for those on your relational map, those people that you know That are close to you but far from God, they need what we have. They really do. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we just pause to say thank you. Father, thank you for the church. It was in your wisdom that you decided this beforehand to give us a body of people to belong to, a family, a name that we wouldn't just wander around aimlessly, but we would have a place that we belonged, people that would love us in spite of us and care for us. Father, we want many more to know this same kind of love and fellowship. Give us eyes to see that there are those around us that are struggling, that are hurting, that are living without hope, And help us, Father, to invite them into this fellowship. Father, again, we thank you for our mothers. We thank you for their godly influence. Father, I just thank you for godly women who have had such a great impact in my life. May they be honored and lifted up today and every day. Father, most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who gives us hope, who gives us strength, And we pray this in his strong, powerful, and precious name. Amen.